1: Talk. Street talk. talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid
2: talk. I'll talk. The independent republic of Mike Graham.
3: On your mobile. On your wavelength. Talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It's a rather auspicious day, ladies and gentlemen, as we are about to witness uh, a breaking news story right here, right now from uh, the Royal Courts of Justice in which a judge is going to decide whether or not removing uh, people to Rwanda is in fact legal or whether it is in fact illegal. There are two legal challenges which we're going to be explaining to you with the help of Peter Cardwell. Isabel Shot's here as well to comment on it. Basically, there are two cases. One is brought by Care for Calais, uh, the charity plus the public and commercial services union believe it or not some of the people that work in the home office detention action and eight asylum seekers uh, who don't want to go to Rwanda, presumably. The second case brought by Asylum Aid, uh, which I assume is some kind of charity, uh, which is based on keeping uh, people who come here to seek asylum here, basically. We shall find out all of that and how the judge is going to rule. Uh, as you can see on the screen right now, uh, that judge is already speaking and already handing down his judgment. We'll get to that as soon as we possibly can. We'll also be talking about the latest news uh, from the world of water, uh, where it looks as though the government is preparing to take control, very possibly, uh, of Thames Water and perhaps some other water companies. As well, that seems to have fallen into complete and utter indebtedness billions and billions of pounds that they don't have, and therefore that they can't provide the services that they should be providing. Uh, we're going to talk to Jonathan Gullis MP about this Rwanda ruling as soon as we have it. Dale Vince is going to be joining us, the Just Stop Oil um, mega millionaire, the man who. Funds Just Stop Oil, helps them to go into uh, places like Lord's Cricket Ground uh, and spread their magic powder around the wicket. Uh, Johnny Burster, of course, a hero of our times. who carried them all off yesterday. Mike Neville is going to tell us about the ridiculousness of police solving no thefts at all in the last year in almost every neighbourhood. Rod Little is going to be here as well. He, he'll talk us all through what he thought of Glastonbury. He'll also tell us what the latest is from Russia and Vladimir Putin. Uh, but what we basically know is that there's an awful lot going on this morning. And we need to get right on with it straight away. So let us do that. Peter Cardwell is here. Peter, very good morning to you. Morning. Just uh, uh, to get a sort of point of order, I suppose, mm. first thing this morning. Uh, this case that we've got before us at the uh, Court of appeal, uh, the verdict being handed down as we speak. We'll bring it to you as soon as we know what it is. Two cases basically right. uh, appeals from people who are challenging the government who want to remove people to Rwanda. Yeah.
2: So this has gone to the High Court, then it's gone now at the Court of Appeal. The Court of Appeal ruling at the moment, it's probably going to be quite a long judgment once we know what it is, we'll let you know. Um, it's handling now the judgment Two challenges to the Home Office's new asylum deal. It's essentially sending people to Rwanda, uh, alleging the allegation is that the scheme is in contravention of international law and the UN Refugee Convention. Now the first case is brought from Care for Calais, uh, the Public ser- Commercial Services Union. Detention action and eight separate asylum seekers the second case brought by asylum aid uh, and, and a judgment in December 2022 the High Court said the scheme was lawful and that the individuals involved in the legal challenges were treated unlawfully so we'll see what happens today it's essentially the question can we send people to Rwanda or can we not yes. with these two cases we will find out what the Court of Appeal says my strong prediction is that no matter what happens in this whether it is lawful or unlawful this will go to the Supreme Court yes. and it really can't go anywhere else after that well
3: it will sort of rattle around for a long time we had the House of Lords also uh, talking about it last night uh, by the looks of things Um, uh, they've been accused of sort of putting more blocks in the way as well so they'll be sort of doing their bit as best they can right
2: that's right, yeah. They're dealing with the immigration and asylum bill at the moment. So that's going through the House of Lords. A lot of people with a lot of illegal expertise on that. But, yes, they are making the uh, ruling at the moment. But these rulings are often very long. They often give out a you know, huge amount of detail about the case anyway. Yeah. So once we know exactly what's happening, we'll let you know.
3: Yeah, it looks as though they are making the ruling even literally as we speak. Let us go. Uh, can we go live now to the uh, Court of Appeal? Let's have a listen. I have
1: concluded that the chances of failed asylum seekers being returned to their countries of origin are in any event low, not least because Rwanda has no agreements in place with any of the countries in question. In addition, extensive monitoring arrangements, formal and informal, of all those sent to Rwanda. So we're being
3: told the government have lost this case uh, Peter Mm -hmm. Uh, it looks as though the the Court of Appeal have ruled in favour of Care for Calais uh, certainly and their uh, public service union case, I don't know about the other one yet, uh, but a defeat I'm afraid for the government, which presumably means as you say, uh, this will carry on I I would imagine
2: the government will appeal to the uh, Supreme Court on this and I suppose the big question in a lot of this is, is it well the whole question is is it lawful to send people to Rwanda or not but a lot of people will be asking questions about the sovereignty of parliament in terms of saying if the government wants to do this why can't they do this so uh yeah the supreme court i would imagine i'd be astonished if it doesn't go uh to the supreme court and we'll see what happens yeah absolutely right peter thank you very much indeed
3: let's talk to isabel Oakshaw,
2: uh, who's here waiting patiently for
3: us uh, this morning uh, talk tv's international editor isabel um i suppose uh, the usual size of uh, of kind of uh foreboding and the usual kind of throwing hands in the air will now happen in government circles. The government loses yet another Court of Appeal ruling on Rwanda. I mean, this is just pathetic, isn't it?
4: I mean, the sighs and feelings of despair, I think, will be felt actually by most of our listeners and viewers over this. I mean, it is so depressingly predictable, isn't it? You know, you've got your learned friends who have decided after careful examination of the evidence that it's just not not fair to send these people to Rwanda. Um, Cases brought by organisations called Care for Calais. What about care for the British taxpayer here? I mean, this is a complete- What about
3: Care for Kent? Is there anybody doing that?
4: Right, well, maybe you and I should start it, Mike, because this is completely unsustainable. And what is so frustrating, is that rulings like this not only extend uh, the taxpayer commitment, because, as you say, the government will rightly now have to appeal it, mm. get more taxpayers' money spent on fighting our own authorities, um, but also that it just gives more succor to these organisations that are continuing to encourage the trade in, in people trafficking. Yeah. And, for, and, many, so, and many
3: of which are in receipt of government funding, believe it or not.
4: I mean, I'm afraid I do believe it. What an absolute shambles this whole thing has been. Uh, I think that the idea of sending them to Rwanda was a very good symbolic thing, um, but it was never going to work. I said that right from the start. I wonder why we didn't consider a plan which would have sent them to one of our remaining overseas British territories. We still have some um, quite interesting places all over the world and perhaps it would have been a bit easier. Uh, to send them to bits of land that we already own. Mm. May I suggest, for example, Pitcairn Island, a long way away. um, Perhaps they could start a new life there.
3: Yeah, well, the Fulton Islands have got plenty of room on it as well. But the point is, it would appear, and obviously we'll need to examine the, the, the ruling in some detail, but it would appear that the judges have decided that Rwanda is somehow not a safe country to send people to. This despite what we know that the UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, has actually sent people there. We know that Israel has sent asylum seekers there. We know that Denmark has sent asylum seekers there, as has Norway. It's a perfectly safe place to go. As you say, it probably would never have worked anyway. But it seems to me that once again, we are being hamstrung by left-wing barristers and lawyers and judges.
4: Completely. I mean, we just continually tie ourselves in knots in this country. I mean, it's a bit... It's very reflective of what happened over the Brexit years. You know, an absolute inability to make progress with anything... Because we are continually fighting ourselves, mm. and, and this is what um, makes me—I'm afraid—in my moments of frustration um, feel rather more receptive to the idea of benign dictatorships. Because at least they can mm. actually get stuff done. Yeah. You know, well, we this is it. I mean, in, in addition to—I
3: mean, in addition to care for Cali. I mean, it's almost laughable. This is like some kind of Ealing comedy. The Public and Commercial Services Union was one of the plaintiffs one of the people complaining about government policy. Now, the Public and Commercial Services Union employs in its, in its group many civil servants, civil servants who are supposed to work at the Home Office, who are supposed to carry out this policy. I mean, the world has gone insane.
4: You, you fundamentally can't have a civil service that gets to pick and choose which government policies it applies. Uh, the point of the whole way our country is set up, if we're going to have a fine democracy, which is what we would all prefer to have, is that the people elect the government and the government then instructs the machinery of government, which are politically neutral, supposedly individuals, to carry out the will of the people, according to the manifesto that that government has been elected on. Um, And if you've got the machinery of state, the civil service uh, saying actually, well, I'm sorry, I don't like the, the policies that we're being asked to enact, then you're actually subverting the entire system. Mm.
3: You really are. Um, And Ken has sent me a text, quite rightly, to say, Mike, uh, Ray Rwanda, will we now get the millions of pounds back that we gave to to the Rwandans to take the illegal migrants from us in the first place? Well, it's a good question.
4: No, of course course we won't, because they will probably then bring a case to say that, you know, it's against their human rights for us to remove funds that they were entitled to expect, which they've, you know, if they've received any, and I don't know if they have, they may well have allocated it. You know, perhaps they put a little bit more faith in the efficiency of the British government uh, than was wise.
3: I mean, famously, Suella Braverman went to Rwanda. Uh, a lot of lefties made a lot of hay about the fact that she was seen laughing as she stood looking at the accommodation that the migrants were going to be going into. I mean, is there anybody in this bloody government who knows what they're doing? How, can, how the hell can they go? there? I'm sorry to be so angry about this. How the hell can they go to a place like Rwanda? You know, mince around as though they've got this deal sewn up and it's all going to be happy and everybody's going to be gloriously great in the in the world. And now it turns out they can't even do it.
4: Well, essentially, they will have known that it was going to be very difficult. I imagine they thought that all the publicity around it, as in you might be sent to Rwanda if you make this trip over, might in some way act as a deterrent. But of course, if you think this through logically, all that was going to happen is that the publicity would be the UK government can't even enact its deportation plan. So come on over, guys, because... You're pretty much guaranteed a new life here.
3: Well, even as we speak, there are probably hundreds of them stepping off the boats onto the shores of Britain uh, to be taken off to some luxury hotel somewhere and given some free pizza, a nice bed, not too many to a room, please, uh, and some money uh, in case you need to go out and buy some cigarettes.
4: Uh, Undoubtedly so. And I think what perhaps many people don't quite grasp, and and I can understand why the magnitude of this is quite difficult to comprehend, is how this has become a multi-billion pound industry. You know, as uh, you look at the projected growth for this thing, it's pretty much the only part of our economy that's actually doing really well, the migrant industry. There are contractors like Serco, for example, who are making very, very good money, out of this desperate situation. Um, And it just doesn't seem to be a remotely good use of public resources to be spending millions of pounds every day on accommodating people who we don't allow to work whilst forcing them to stay here for as much as two years until we actually get our act together and declare that they had no right to be here in the first place. Yeah,
3: it really is quite staggering. I know there'll be a lot of people very angry about this decision this morning. Isabel, stay where are, if you wouldn't mind. Campaigners and asylum seekers. The news, breaking news this morning, uh, have won a Court of Appeal challenge over the government's planned Rwanda deportation scheme. Basically, the Court of Appeal have ruled that moving anybody from here to Rwanda uh, is unlawful. Three senior appeal court judges ruled by majority that Rwanda could not be treated as a safe third country according to judge ian burnett uh, he said the deficiencies in the asylum system in rwanda are such that there are substantial grounds for believing that there is a real risk that persons sent to rwanda will be returned to their home countries where they face persecution and other inhumane treatment great so just time to come in here then move them all into swansea put them all into hartlepool bring them into reading you know put them down into southwark station where there's a bit of room on platform three no problem at all you complete and utter bozos this is Talk TV,
5: the home of common
3: sense, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. A lot of people will be very angry this morning. The people smugglers are laughing all the way to the bank, says John uh, from Chingford. Phil says, Rwanda are, are joint sponsors for Arsenal Football Club. I hope the judges who think Rwanda is so awful aren't Arsenal fans. Well, apparently so. Arsenal Football Club's official tourism partner and its first shirt sleeve partner is Visit Rwanda. So according to the Court of Appeal, uh, it's too dangerous a place to go. I hope that Arsenal don't sue them on that basis. Bloody hell, Uh, that's not good, is it? Uh, Meanwhile, Kate McCann has said that it's a split decision. The Lord Chief Justice believes mitigation is in place to make Rwanda safe. Uh, The story just gets more and more ridiculous. We're talking to Isabel Oakeshott, Talk TV's international editor. Um, I don't know what to tell you about uh, the combination of Arsenal football club the Lord Chief Justice um, and uh, Care for Calais. You know, it's almost like one of those parlour games that you used to play. Can you put all these things into one sentence?
4: I know. Well, I've only ever been to one big football match in my life and it was actually at the Arsenal. And it was around the time um, that this whole scheme was kicking off, the Rwanda scheme. And oh. I remember seeing the um, sponsorship logos for Visit Rwanda and thinking, is this some mistake here? Because everybody's <laughs> saying Rwanda's such a terrible despotic place and here they are sponsoring one of our massive football clubs it just none of this adds up it's a complete maybe
3: uh, maybe the next lot of uh, migrants that arrive on the beach at uh, Dover could be handed uh, Arsenal season tickets maybe that would be a help
4: or accommodated in the football stadium or I don't know what honestly the number of ridiculous schemes that I'm sure are going to be come up with now I've lost all faith in it and you know people should be in no doubt about this um The the actual cost, you know, when you look at your payslip, you see how much money has gone to the uh, HM government. Just have a think about what proportion of that is going to have gone on this nonsense. And I hope that that galvanises people not to reward the government that's done it.
3: No, exactly right. I mean, people keep saying to me, well, it will be a lot worse under Labour. I can't possibly imagine how much worse it could actually be. I really can't.
4: I mean, look, I'm not a Labour voter. I'm not a member of any political party. But actually, under the Labour government, with Blair and Brown, they did get the huge backlog of asylum seekers under control. I mean, I was working as a political journalist then and I remember it. And it certainly wasn't the level of chaos that we have now. No,
3: I mean, they deported thousands of people. Um, under their schemes and I know that it was the Blair sort of um, mantra in a way that opened the borders in general um, to let many more people come here and work but to come here and work is one thing these people are not coming here to work they're coming here uh, to do something that we perhaps would rather they didn't do but let's let's move on from it just for a second because um, I want you to put your um, international hat on for a moment as we look at yet another uh, rather disturbing video from the United States of America here's Joe Biden
6: it's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. And he has uh, become a bit of a fly around the world. Uh, it's not just NATO. It's not just the European Union. It's Japan. It's, it's you know, it's 40 nations.
3: question was about Vladimir Putin. Uh, the country he was looking for was Ukraine. Uh, he said Iraq. This is happening more and more, isn't it?
4: It is. It's actually not the first time he's made exactly that mistake. He's previously used the word Iraq when he meant Ukraine. Mm. Um, He says it's because he lost a son in the Iraq war and it's always um, front of mind for him. And I could understand that if he wasn't making gaffes all over the place. And he doesn't look well. And I I just find it astonishing um, that his own family are prepared to see him put through this. It feels almost cruel, you know, never mind the responsibility to the rest of the world or indeed to America. This is an elderly man who is clearly losing it. He's not strong physically. He's fallen over a number of times and mentally he is not all there. And, you know, can you imagine if he was a Republican, if Donald Trump was making these errors, you know, there would be all hell breaking loose. Mm. But somehow or other, this is just glossed over. I mean, I genuinely think in this country, if we had a prime minister who was in such poor physical and mental health, I think that they would absolutely have been forced to stand down.
3: Yeah, absolutely right. You'd think his wife might say to him at some point, you know, do you really think that's worth doing? Uh, Maybe it's better for the health of the family and the nation uh, for you just to, you know, to quietly retire. And everybody uh, would agree with that, I would think. Let's go back to our great parliamentarians, because I was astonished to read last night. Um, uh, the preview to this Ridiculous Privileges Committee report uh, in which it now apparently names eight other MPs, including Nadine Dorries and Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, as having been sort of uh, slightly disrespectful to this committee. I rather like Lord Crunus's, um remark in which he said, well, if they want people to stop calling them a kangaroo court, they'll have to stop hopping around.
4: <laughs> I mean, this is such a me, me, me report. I know. Look at us. Look at us. We're so important. We're so vainglorious. Don't you dare ever impugn our integrity. Oh, for God's sake, look you know, I'm sitting here looking out at the Houses of Parliament and thinking of all the huge things they need to be putting their energies Mm. into resolving. And instead, they're kind of sniping and uh, having a go at each other. And, you know, very inward looking, isn't it? You don't dare, you know, impugn us. It's awful. Also,
3: how ludicrously self-important as well to say that people in a democratically elected House of Commons cannot criticise a committee set up in the democratically elected House of Commons. You know, surely it's okay to criticise them. What's the point?
4: Well, I think they ought to be a bit more robust. I mean, this is what I'm always telling my own kids. We Mm. have to be resilient. You know, we don't get deflected from a little bit of criticism here and there. If you believe that what you're doing is right and that you have come to the right decisions you don't mind if some people are talking twaddle about you being a bad person or having got it wrong um so i think they need to be more resilient stop fussing about who says what when this is politics guys it's it's rough old world out there
3: it really is you should see some of the messages i got this morning um, some of them i was giving them eight out of ten for in know sort of uh, very flowery language and things i'd never seen before uh, finally we were talking about this on the talk last night isabel thames water absolute basket case the entire water industry seems to be falling apart even as we speak um surely to god we don't need to take them into government control do
4: we I mean, it's surely the the absolute last resort ever to take anything into government control. As one caller um, said to Julia Hartley Brewer this morning, the government can't even run a bath, never mind run a uh, run a water company. <laughs> um, look, one thing's for sure: taxpayers shouldn't have to bail this company out. You know, they've they've been spraying dividends around as if uh, money were no object. So taxpayers shouldn't be forced to foot the bill investors should have to lose their shirts over this and let's put some competent people in uh, to run the company properly as you and i were saying on the talk last night i mean this is a captive market how hard can it be it's not like anyone can elect not to have running water Um, so just sort it out i know it does i mean that's that
3: should be the slogan shouldn't it you know nike had just do it We should be, Isabel Oakeshott says, just sort it out. Get some T-shirts made. Just get on with it. Maybe you could hang a banner uh, across uh, opposite the Houses of Parliament and just do it. Just say, just get on with it, for God's sake. Isabel, good to see you. Thank you very much indeed, Uh, Isabel Oakeshott. Of course, uh, Talk TV's international editor uh, there with her view of the latest breaking news, which is, of course, it will come as no surprise to you uh, that the government have lost the case in the Court of Appeal uh, against those people like Care for Cat like the public services union who actually work in the civil service who actually work in the home office taking their own bosses to court to stop them from carrying out policy which to all intents and purposes has been proven to be absolutely fine and dandy for the united nations for the governments of norway for the governments of israel for the governments of indeed libya i think have also sent uh, various refugees to rwanda arsenal find a rwanda safe enough country to have as a sponsor on their shirts But no, the Court of Appeal says you can't send people there because guess what? They might get sent back to their home country. Oh, no. What? You mean sent home? What? You mean they can just come here and stay? Is that what you mean? Great. Fantastic. Brilliant. Marvellous. Absolutely unbelievable. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up, Danny Kruger MP, Conservative MP for Devises, who wrote a piece in The Sun yesterday saying, anyone who comes here illegally should be sent home immediately. Well, bad luck, Danny, because the Court of Appeal says you can't do it. This is Talk TV. Danny Kruger's here, Conservative MP for Devizes. Danny, very good uh, morning to you. Good morning. Very disappointing ruling this. A lot of my listeners and viewers are absolutely incandescent, uh, saying what is the point of voting if this is the result? If we can't stop these people coming here, what the hell is going on?
1: Well, I share their frustration. It's immensely disappointing that the court has made this judgment parliament clearly indicated in a bill last year that it's lawful for uh, the uk border force and the home office to detain and to deport people who arrive on our in our country illegally and we have a uh, perfectly satisfactory uh, arrangement with rwanda which is a safe peaceful country and the idea that the courts have decided to overturn parliament's will in this way is incredibly frustrating and underlies the need for the new bill which has now been passed oh sorry now going through parliament been introduced by the government in this current session which will mandate the removal of illegal migrants and specifically disregards or, or disallows the courts the power to uh to overturn these uh these deportations i wish we had that bill in force yeah. already because we wouldn't be in this problem now but But haven't haven't you also had the House of Lords
3: interfering in the bill last night uh, in terms of changing various different aspects of it, so that this will just go round and round and round the the system forever, won't it?
1: Well, it needn't and it mustn't. And I'm glad to say the government is resolute in its commitment to ensure that we can fulfil our pledge to stop the boats and to deport illegal migrants. It's right that we are a law-governed country, that there are processes. It's appropriate that Parliament gets to consider this legislation. But... Fundamentally, the will of the people is very, very clear. It was we have a mandate uh, from our last uh, election victory to go, regain control of our borders. The House of Commons, a democratically elected house, has passed the bill, this current bill, with a big majority. So it's wrong for the House of Lords to frustrate it. I respect their their right to 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 look at it and to table amendments, but they mustn't continue to push these amendments uh, unreasonably. And I'm sure the government will do what it takes to get the bill passed but the wider point which is today's problem which is the the role of the courts in this and we need i think we need a thorough review mm. of the role of courts and frustrating the will of parliament as we've seen repeatedly in recent years so well, it's a very well, very the
3: thing that i find frustrating about it to be honest danny is that rwanda has been used by the united nations by the unhcr they've put right. uh, many my uh, illegal asylum seekers there norway denmark israel libya all countries that have used Rwanda as a, as a sort of staging post, if you like, for sending people uh, who are refugees or uh, as claim, people claiming asylum. So, how the hell can they rule it to be uh, not fit as a third country? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I mean, that's our courts for you, isn't it? They tend to um, they tend to take a very you know strict view, I think, inappropriately. And you're absolutely right. And it is a great irony that the UNHCR itself, which has been opposing our Rwanda policy recently, it turns out, have been sending uh, people to rwanda itself mm. and this is a policy which is now you know ultimately it's the only policy you can have if you don't have open borders and you have to do something with the people who arrive here illegally who exceed any cap that you might have who fill up any let safe and legal route you might have what do you do with the next person and the only answer unless you're going to let anybody in who can get here is to remove them to somewhere safe if they can't go back to their own country and every other country in the west is doing something similar even the u.s lots of European countries and increasingly looking to our policy, which is a really, really good and humane and decent way of, of dealing with this problem. Sending people to Rwanda is the right approach. But I'm very, very sorry to see today that the uh, the court has, has decided to reject it. The, the government, I presume, will appeal this uh, and push it through. It just means further delay, which for your viewers and for my voters and for yeah. people across the country, just makes them despair of our political system.
3: Well, exactly right. And meanwhile, another sort of 25,000, 30,000 people will come between now and the end of the year. Um, And the numbers are now getting to the point where they're no longer uh, negligible, uh, which is what an awful lot of people have said in the past. Oh, well, you know, compared to most uh, countries, we hardly take anybody. You know, the country is changing before our very eyes. Uh, We're seeing things happening in this country which have never happened before. Uh, People complain that their hotels are full up with migrants because the government is paying for people to go there. We had a report the other day saying it could cost 32 million a day. I mean, it's simply madness. It's ridiculous.
1: Yes, of course, the numbers are not negligible. I mean, we had 46,000 people arrive in small boats last year. At the current rate, we're going to have more than that this year, unless we do succeed in deterring them, which is why we're passing this legislation and why this court judgment is so frustrating. So we might get the same or even more numbers of illegal migrants this year. But a bigger problem, and what's changing the country most profoundly, is legal migration. You know, people we actually give visas to, uh, uh, 600,000 people arrived legally last year. Uh, So there is an enormous challenge about how our country manages immigration in general, which is something that I and colleagues are looking at very closely now. Mm. We have to fulfill our manifesto pledge to reduce legal migration as well as stopping the boats. Uh, and yes, the cost is absolutely prohibitive and, you know, and legal migration or illegal, just migration in any form at this scale is bad for the economy overall, it's bad for local public services, it's bad for community cohesion and it's bad for the countries which are sending their bright, talented, frank, comparatively wealthy young men mostly uh, to, to the West. Yeah. We need to stop this problem at source by supporting these countries to be peaceful, prosperous places, uh, but fundamentally we need to deter people from making this dangerous and illegal crossing yeah. into the UK.
3: And also people like Care for Calais um, are not really helping the situation. I mean, included in the, in the lawsuit, bizarrely, I found the most strange thing, uh, is the Public uh, and Commercial Services Union. Civil servants who actually are supposed to carry out the will of the government, supposed to carry out the policies of the government, suing the government um, because they don't want to carry out those policies. It's like some kind of, you know, um, Alice in Wonderland story.
1: I'm afraid that is the British way. We have a whole is network it? of of, uh, of people in official places, both in government itself, civil service, and also in the wider kind of NGO, charity community. You know, well-meaning people who think they're doing the right thing, but what they're doing is is frustrating the clearly expressed uh, and frankly correct view of the majority of the public, which is that we should control our borders. We're a welcoming country. We've taken a huge number of refugees over the years, including now, which which we should be proud of. But that doesn't mean that people should be facilitated to break into this country illegally and then claim a home here. We have to absolutely control who gets in. And I think it's right. And I'm very proud of the government for being so resolute on this. I I just wish we had more. Yeah, but being uh, resolute is one thing, and I share that view.
3: Yes, it's good that they're resolute, but nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. The only thing that's happening is more and more people are coming in and they're yeah. literally well, taking the they're, they're just it's laughing at us. Telling you,
1: I, think, I think you are, and you're speaking for your viewers, I don't think there's any value in an MP saying, no, no, don't worry, trust us, it'll be OK. People are only going to believe action. Exactly. What, I, what I am personally confident of is that we have a bill now going through Parliament that if the Lords don't succeed in wrecking it, will ensure that the courts in future can't stop the deportations to Rwanda. There's a lot more that needs to be done. The government has to deliver. That is Rishi Sunak's complete and, and, you know, the can't wriggle out. So I think you've got the commitments you need from government, but I don't expect anybody to believe us until we actually do it.
3: But realistically, though, Danny, when can that possibly happen? When can that bill pass?
1: Well, I've been in touch with the Home Office just now since the,
4: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: This judgment was handed out, and obviously everyone's decided to digest it, and I think the Home Secretary is going to make a statement to Parliament
3: later today. Presumably they're having so a party in the Home now, Office,
1: aren't they? I'm sorry?
3: I'm presuming they're having a party in the Home Office. They're probably cracking the champagne open, on. not
1: I think the ministers will be. The ministers are going to be, going to be extremely frustrated with them, and we'll hear from them later. But it'll the, uh, now go to, a, to an appeal. Uh, that that will obviously take some months. Uh, what we need is for this bill to go through, uh, because, of course, the next danger, and what happened last year, is the European Court got involved. This is an English court that's got in the way today. But what, what could happen later is what happened last year, which is the European Court gets involved. The good thing about the new bill that we're passing means that the European Court will not be able to hand down these interim judgments that stopped the players taking off last time. So even if we get through the English process, we have to stop the Europeans. Yeah. Uh, well, I to a uh, so statement you I've got. But that is that is what this bill is doing. is all I can assure you.
3: Okay. Well, I've got a statement now from Rwanda government. Uh, Yolanda Makolo saying that they take issue with the court's ruling. Uh, Rwanda is one of the safest countries in the world, she says, and we have been recognised by the UNHCR and other international institutions for our exemplary treatment of refugees. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a bizarre ruling. I think it makes us look like a laughing stock in the world. I'm very disappointed in the judiciary of this country. Danny, I yeah. thank you very much for talking to us. Um, and good luck getting it all done because that's what the people want. The people want it done. They don't want to care about some bozo in a wig who wants to tell us how the world should be run. No, we'll tell you how the world should be run. We voted for it and we want it done. Simple. Get on with it. This is Talk TV.
5: On your mobile, on your wavelengths. Talk radio and Talk TV.
3: Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham Right here on Talk TV What an explosive first hour of the show uh, we had there Because I tell you what, people are angry People are absolutely and utterly um, peed off by what this government is doing And what it is not doing And at least try to stop the boats. If you're going to say stop the boats, do something about it. We've now got a uh, decision made by the Appeal Court this morning uh, that basically sending anyone to Rwanda uh, who is an illegal asylum seeker here in this country is indeed illegal in and of itself. According uh, to the court ruling, uh, the government cannot send anyone to Rwanda as it cannot be seen as a safe world country. This despite the fact uh, that they sponsor Arsenal Football Club in Rwanda, despite the fact that the UNHCR, which is the United Nations refugee platform actually sends refugees to Rwanda. This despite the fact that Israel, Libya, Norway, Denmark, several other countries have all sent refugees to Rwanda. Apparently not good enough uh, for our Court of Appeal judges and they're out of touch ridiculous ideas uh, that they think this country will put up with and I can tell you this matey uh, they will not put up with it for very much longer we are a laughing stock this morning uh, ladies and gentlemen and I want to hear from the government which you haven't yet heard from but as soon as we do we will let you know meanwhile uh, in other great news uh, the doctors who are going on strike yeah that's right the ones who earn an average of £128,000 um, a per year that's before they start adding in uh, the bonuses the addings on the extra time uh, the overtime uh, and the special fees that they get paid for doing other work Uh, they think that's not enough money they want more money they're going to strike for 48 hours but don't worry uh, they won't be losing out because uh, they'll be able to do private work while they're on strike brilliant what on earth is going on in this country absolutely disgraceful luckily we found somebody uh, who can make sense of it all Uh, he's standing currently in the rain down in college green westminster uh, the hq of the world's greatest democracy he is the one and only dale vince founder of ecotricity dale um, a very good uh, morning to you thank you mike and uh, morning to you too yeah shouldn't you be at lord's throwing some orange powder around or something uh, yeah i should be you're right I, <laughs> uh, damn i missed my opportunity <laughs> <laughs> today the no, rain stops play today presumably but uh, your, your your mates from just stop oil uh, caused a bit of a flurry yesterday um things are not going well for them though because despite the fact that they keep interrupting everything um nobody's taking them seriously anymore not even one of the guys that used to give them money
6: well, I don't think that's true, actually. And uh, he, he didn't pull out because he didn't take them seriously. He actually—I uh, I disagree with him. He, uh, he thought the tactics weren't working. He said that actually we need to build bridges and consensus and get people on board rather than protest and, uh, and disrupt. Yeah. Uh, he, he used uh, apartheid South Africa as an example. He said after after apartheid ended, you know, they all got together and uh, had a big old hug-in, which is the right thing to do. But but the fight against fossil fuels here in our country hasn't finished. It's ongoing right now, and so we have to disrupt and protest and use every other means we've got until the election comes and then we get the chance to vote about it.
3: Well yeah well that's when you get the chance to give more money to Keir Starmer so he does what you want but we're talking about Trevor Nielsen (laughs) uh, the co-founder of the Climate Emergency Fund He basically said this, uh, working people that are trying to get to their jobs, get their kids dropped off at school, survive a brutal cost of living crisis. There's a certain hierarchy of needs that they have. If at the same time they have a pink haired, tattooed, pierced protester standing in front of their car so that their kid is late for their test that day, that does not encourage them to join the movement. It's not accomplishing anything. And I think he's right, because people always say, oh, you know, they're raising awareness of climate change. They're not really, because all that anybody ever says, and you saw it at Lords yesterday, people just boo them. uh, They think they're idiots. They don't have any interest in what they've got to say. um, And so the message actually is going nowhere.
6: Yeah, I lost a lot of that, Mikey, with a bad line, but I got the gist of it. Look, um, I, I disagree with him, and I think what he said about pink hair tattoos, all that kind of stuff, and I think it was slightly prejudicial, really. So, like borderline racism. I don't think that was a, a good look. Well, it's now but racism it, uh, to
3: call. Well, I'll tell you what's racist. About- I'll tell you what's racist, Dale, uh, is that Just Stop Oil is a completely white organisation. Isn't that racist?
6: Just, just on the point of success or not, it's getting pretty loud here now. On the point of success... It's hey, coming for you. For the last three weeks at least. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Damn. We've, we've been talking on radio, on TV, in print about the climate crisis, the fact that it's driven by fossil fuels. We know we have to stop drilling for more of them. That's the global scientific consensus. And, uh, and that's why Just Stop Boiler protest. we've been talking about that on all channels for three weeks. I say that's a measure of the success. Whatever else anybody else thinks or says.
3: Well, I mean, if it's such a success, why do they keep doing it? <laughs> they haven't won. Uh, they haven't no, it's won, not success. So, what you redefin- have, you, have you redefined? Have you redefined it- the word success then? Because, I mean, if they haven't <laughs> won, it's not success, <laughs> is it? <laughs>
6: well there's battles and wars right you can win battles but not the war we haven't won the war yet right we haven't stopped you're not going to win it, exploration either. for new oil and gas in the north sea i think we will i think so
3: yeah but the trouble is we'll the see. more that everybody I a studio with some orange paint but the more that every now and then, you're never you're not never getting in here now that's it you're never getting in the point is or, or at least um, it will be like that scene from um a mafia movie when once you do get in if you do it and it will just go now you can't leave you know they will just beat you to, the, to a pulp with a rubber hose. But anyway, um, the point is this, right? That the, the consensus is moving because the more people actually realise that this is all a bit of a con and lots of people are making an awful lot of money out of it, that basically it's not necessary and it's not doable. I mean, even the Labour Party, your new mates, you know, who are basically doing whatever you want them to do, have said we can't really commit to doing what we said we were going to do in the North Sea, so we're going to put it on the back burner and we're going to wait for the second term. So even they know that they can't actually make it happen. I think you've conflated
6: a few different things there. What Labour have said is the £28 a year they said they were going to spend on the green economy won't be spent... In full on the first year, maybe not even the second year, no, but, or the third. But, but they will get there within the first term. Um, and in terms of affordability, Mikey, you know, we're, we're giving three billion to a state owned energy company, Norwegian state owned energy company, to open up that, uh, that big oil field, the Rosebank oil field. Um, three billion quid. They'll they'll spend three hundred million to develop that. The oil will be exported. It won't lower our energy bills. All it will do is increase carbon in the atmosphere for for no economic gain. We, you know we haven't made money out of the North Sea for years. It's madness. Rishi Sunak calls it uh, Ill- economically illiterate not to drill for, for oil and gas, but it's actually the opposite. It's economically illiterate to do so. It's also climate illiterate to do so. You know, we don't need more oil and gas. There's no shortage in the world. There's plenty of it. We don't need to make more stuff here. We need to move ahead with this transition. And uh, We spend £10 billion a year subsidising fossil fuels in our country. That's a, it's a substantial sum of money that can get us to 100% green energy within probably 5 to 10 years.
3: Yeah, the trouble with green energy though is it's not always working, is it? That's the problem. And then maybe it needs to be Uh, You would convince me of of, of your argument, Dale, if it was a more reliable source of energy. But it isn't, is it? Because your point is, you know, sometimes you can't collect wind energy. Sometimes you can't collect solar energy. Sometimes you can't collect wave energy because of the conditions that happen to be that day not very good. So it's not reliable enough to have nothing to back it up, is it? So you still need the backup of the coal-fired power stations. You still need the backup uh, of, you know, gas to to make your electricity from.
6: Well, the thing is, uh, the un, the unpredictable. What could we call it? It's You're not denying intermittent, anything intermittent, I've just said, are you? You're we, not we denying that. that. <laughs> I'm, 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 let me get to it. Let me get to it. We know that it's intermittent, and we can plan for that. The National Grid themselves say that we can be a hundred percent powered by renewable energy. The National Grid says that. The National We've Grid got don't know what they're talking about. Approaches for managing. <laughs> I mean, well, the National Grid—no, do I don't We've think got, so.
3: If the National Grid knew what they were doing, you know, I might have some faith in them. But the National Grid doesn't know what they're doing, do they? Come on. Oh, so let me get to the power
6: station point on standby. A power station on standby isn't doing any harm. It's on standby. So it's not actually such a bad world, the one you've described, where we've got 100% made by uh, wind and sun, and when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow at the same time, which is quite rare, yeah. then we fire up a power station. That's not the end with of the what? world. And what we do don't have fire to build it up a new with? power station for that, because we've got them. But well, what do you fire it up well, with? gas. Not coal, gas. 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 And where do you get the gas, gas from? Fire it up with gas. where do you yeah, get the yeah. gas from? Well, we've got gas. We have, we have an abundance of gas. But what we would where do in it, the though? process well, is, is reduce our consumption of fossil fuels to something like that. Well, the, uh, half of the gas that Britain uses today comes from the North Sea. We've right. got a shitload of it there. So oh, I can't say that, can I? No, you can't. <laughs> i apologize for that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that you were going to use that technical term. Um, you know, but I mean, I prefer bucket load. I'm all
6: about technical yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know that. But this is the point, okay. you know, the bucket point load. is the bucket point load, the right. point is
3: this, right? Yes, you can have that backup but you then still need to be exploring because it's not an infinite amount of gas that you've got in the North Sea. You have to keep finding new areas of gas, otherwise you have to buy it in. And we see what happened in Germany. They were so reliant on Russian gas that they ended up having to switch everything off and go back to nuclear and coal. And that's what they're now doing because they've realised the folly of policies like yours.
6: You make a brilliant point, Mike. Thank you. Fossil fuels run out. They run out. They're a single-use fuel. You burn them; they're gone. You've got to find more. No. Renewable energy
3: never runs out, never. Yeah, but you've just told me we need to are have. We're going to spend money on. Yeah, but you've just told me we always need no, to have no. gas no, 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 as a backup. No. We will no. always need to no, have it
6: right no no i didn't i said in that scenario that you paint where we have backup generation i said that's not the end of the world i see that as part of a transition as we get to 100 percent as the smart grid technologies come in the grid scale storage the load management all of the things that the national grid will do to, to enable us to run 100 percent on renewable energy we're talking about a 10-year transition and in that transition we can use existing power stations to, to plug the gaps
3: yeah but that's we don't even have about. enough of a national grid to power the electric cars that we've got in this country don't so we're a very long way away from what you describe as this kind of nirvana uh, of renewable energy because we just don't have enough of it. But we
6: do. Right? Most electric cars, 70 percent of people in our country have off street parking, which means they can charge their cars at night. And this is a time when demand on the grid is super low. And so it actually makes the grid more efficient if we all have electric cars and plug them in at night no. because it raises the load factor of the national grid.
3: Well, you can't just plug everything in at night. What if you live in a block of flats? Where are you going to plug it into?
6: I said 70% of people have access to off-street parking. The other 30 don't, so that's a different challenge.
3: I'm not sure that's the right number, because certainly in my street, uh, you would have about 100% of people who don't have anywhere to park their cars. I'll tell you why, (laughs) because the local council wants them to pay to park in a place where it used to be free. Right, so they don't, they, you know, this is the this is the usual madness. I'm also being handed a piece of breaking news that the National Grid uh, is going to be deprived of any kind of emergency coal reserves this winter uh, because Drax and EDF have closed their power stations. So there's going to be no backup coal power plants this winter, right? So they've ended talks, so there isn't going to be any saving grace from the uh, from the coal-fired power stations. It's not going to happen.
6: But that'll be okay. We can get through the winter. The Germans got through the winter and they lost 40% of their gas supply when the Russians turned it off. We only had 4% from Russia. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can get through the winter if we do what the Germans did, which is advise the citizens to use less energy. Our government didn't I'm want I'm to do that. I'm not interested in being advised. I'm not interested in using less energy. That case, we'll have power cuts. Yeah, so. well, I'm not interested
3: in using less no. energy. Well, you should you be. be. Why? If you
6: don't want power cuts, if you don't want power cuts, no. you should be. No, I don't live don't in, in a third world. Cut, sure. I, don't,
3: I don't live in a third world. I don't live in a place where energy is in short supply. I live. In what is generally regarded as a first world country in a modern civilization uh, in which i expect to, when i switch the, the light on that it comes on not that the house bursts into flames because nobody knows what's going on it's ludicrous if you want to go and live in a cave go and live in a bloody cave in gloucestershire you know i don't i think you're being a bit extreme here Mikey. not at all not at all you want, to live, you want to live without, you know, you want to wash your clothes down by the river, you know, you want to get rid of all your machinery and you want to, you know, heat everything over a single, um, you know, piece of a candle, you know, you want to eat raw fish, you be my guest mate, but you know, you can't tell everybody else to live like that. Okay,
6: so what I said was actually <clears throat> we can use less energy to avoid power cuts. <coughs> well, like, what Excuse do you me, suggest? That's what I said. Use what, less energy to avoid power cuts. The, what, the Germans what do you reduce their energy consumption by 15%, which is a mad amount of energy. What do I suggest? Turn things down, turn things off. What, did they you stop, know, stop using their down, saunas, down, down, saunas or something? Turn stuff off when you're not using it? Did they
3: stop using their saunas or something? No, we can,
6: we can say mad amount. But we live wastefully. We live wastefully because we have to The a
3: switch, it all comes. Uh, you, know. <laughs> you just told me you did. No, I didn't. I did not say I lived wastefully. I said I lived said a life which is, which is <laughs> tantamount to living in a civilised society in the modern world, i.e. I use electricity to cook. You know, I put the lights on. I don't like walking around with candles. You know, I have a car that needs fuel to put in it so I can go and visit people that I love. You know, I get on planes so that I can go and have a nice holiday because I work so hard that I deserve to have a bit of r and R. I I like to use a swimming pool, which needs to be filtered. I like to swim in the sea occasionally. I like to eat food in restaurants. In New York, they're having a real battle with the, with the authorities there because the idiots are trying to get rid of gas cookers. Which news which 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 is news to any chef in New York City who mm. have used gas cookers all their lives I've lost you. you can't you know you can't go on like this Dale
6: have you lost us I lost a lot of that but I think I got I think I think I got the flavor it. of it maybe I you need to turn up to the, the volume I, stop I, turning I the to, volume <laughs> down
3: <laughs> It's your shoddy third world equipment man yeah well we're trying to <laughs> save energy this is why it doesn't work right <laughs> a very green company I work for. anyway listen what are you doing in london are you going to be walking slowly around later are you you going to be walking well it always does on this show what am i doing in london yeah what are you Uh, doing yeah i've got no
6: orange bombs with me it's not that i'm here for uh, an an event at the house of lords called the young green britain awards Uh, it's a competition among schools and kids that have got together to create solutions to the climate crisis and environment issues and stuff like that and it's like a national
3: final Kids. Yeah. Also, good luck or finding any, good Kids luck. Good luck finding anybody young in the House of Lords.
6: Well, we're going to bring them. We're oh, right. going to find them there.
4: Okay. They're, going
3: to, they're going to come here. <coughs> Excuse me. All right.
4: Well, try not it to glue gone. yourself and the to the sun's anything.
6: come out. I don't know if you can see that.
4: Yeah, of course. I made. I ordered <laughs> it.
6: I ordered the sun
3: to come out. You know, you can get get rid of the umbrella, save yourself <laughs> it, it, some energy.
6: I thought the sun couldn't be controlled. There you, there you go. There it is.
3: Let there be light. There you go. Brilliant. Brilliant. There you are. Dale Vince. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Uh, Dale Vince there, uh, founder of Ecotricity. He's off to the House of Lords, don't you know? Oh, super. Marvellous. Great life, isn't it? Uh, get a few subsidies from the government, uh, make a few million quid, uh, start your own football club, make them all eat uh, vegan food, uh, and tell everybody to stop using any power. Great. Why not? Why didn't we put him in charge? This is Talk TV. Good afternoon, and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, Don't forget uh, that Rod Little podcast is out there very shortly. You'll be able to get Rod Little and Peter Hitchens, a separate podcast every single week. Monday for Peter Hitchens, Thursday for Rod Little, a half hour, of course, of some great stuff. And what what else you can do as well uh, is find your way uh, to the daily podcast, which is the Independent Republic every single day. That goes out as well, so you don't have to miss a second of the show. Uh, There it is right there. Take it and download it and subscribe uh to any of your normal podcast platforms and you can find it and if you love talk radio uh why not join the debate uh on alexa you can link alexa and your talk radio account just say alexa ask news broadcasting to log me in and we'll send a link to your alexa app you only need to do it once and you'll be able to continue listening to all of your favorite presenters including me i'm not going to mention anybody else there we are. Uh, let's talk now, though, uh, to Jonathan Gullis, MP, Conservative MP, of course, for Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, there's a breaking news uh, story. We've now got an answer from the government. Uh, Rishi Sunak says he fundamentally disagrees with the Court of Appeal conclusion on the government's Rwanda policy, but respects the court's decision. Uh, while I respect the court, I fundamentally disagree with their conclusions, uh, he says, Rwanda is a safe country. Uh, the High Court agreed the UNHCR have their own refugee scheme for Libyan refugees in Rwanda. As I said, we will now seek permission to appeal this decision to the Supreme Court. So more government money, more taxpayers' money down the drain. Uh, thanks to uh, Care for Calais. Thanks for, uh, to the, uh, the Civil Service Union. Uh, and thanks to all sorts of other characters who think that uh, they can continue to remain to live in this country despite coming here illegally let's find out what Jonathan Gullis from Stoke believes hello Jonathan Hey, Mike
5: how you doing good to see you yeah
3: I'm pretty angry actually today Um, I find this absolutely ridiculous the fact that the the PCS union was involved in this appeal as well is bonkers the fact that this court of appeal seems to disagree with the UN who think it's perfectly safe to send people to Rwanda despite the fact that Rwanda and visit Rwanda as a campaign sponsors Arsenal Football Club you know what the hell is going on
5: well like you mike i was deeply frustrated and angry with the decision i mean as you perfectly point out and well done for doing so the unhcr has fifty thousand burundi refugees registered in rwanda working with their organization they did the deal as you said to take libyans out of libya and place them in rwanda other countries have been able to use rwanda and the unhcr has not battered an eyelid yet for some reason the united kingdom no they shouldn't be allowed they should be made to suffer because. We dare to do something brave and bold. We dare to do something that's seen as world-leading. That other countries, even in mainland Europe, like Germany, are looking at potentially copying because this situation has got out of control. Millions of taxpayers' money every single day being wasted mm. to house people. And for those people at the Labour Party who think, oh, well, processing, we told you so, processing people doesn't stop people from wanting to try and come over the English Channel legally. It'll only actually act as a pull factor if you continue to accept at the 7 in 10 rate that we're doing at the moment. So I think that the idea that the Labour Party is some sort of privately cheering, although that I'm sure Keir Starmer will try and sit on the fence all day long because he doesn't want to try and upset voters who he thinks will be conned by his constant U-turns that he does. And I'm glad that the Prime Minister has said this will go to the Supreme Court. It's a shame it has to, and as you say, it's more taxpayers' money. It delays it even further. But if we need to go there to get this Court of Appeal decision overturned, then let's do it. And I. I want to thank the Lord Chief Justice for being brave, for standing up for what is right, for backing Parliament, for backing the British people, and for pointing out the fact that there are no returns agreements with some of these countries that the other two judges appear to be worried about. Uh, 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 which led them to their judgment thing that somehow Rwanda was an unsafe country. Right. Well done to the Lord chief justice.
3: Yeah. I mean, at least it's not a unanimous decision. You say there may be something uh, to build on there, but the house of Lords has been having a crack as well last night, trying to sort of chip away at what it is that the government's bill seeks to do, which is basically to outlaw any interference from the j- judiciary. Because at the end of the day, a country that does not control its own borders isn't really uh, able to call itself a proper country. Is it?
5: Well, you're right, Mike. Look, let's not forget that the largest ever electoral mandate in history was in 2016 when people voted to leave the European Union, to take back control of our laws and our borders. The Conservative Party and MPs like me got elected because ultimately in 2019, off the back of making sure that we would deliver on this promise. If we do not start to see major change, if we do not deliver on the Rwanda policy, which is just, let's, let's not forget, one part of a larger puzzle in terms of solving the illegal crossings in order to try and stop the boats then we will face electoral doom. And sadly, we'll let a Labour Party in who, believe me, will have an open door policy. They'll clear the backlog by doing what they always do, which is have an amnesty. They just won't call it that. They'll dress it up in every other way that they can do, and then we'll wonder why more and more people continue to come.
3: Well, I mean, after this decision today, you can imagine the people trafficking uh, gangs are going to be cock-a-hoop. They'll be ordering up more dinghies even as we speak because what they will say is that, look, this is gets gonna, it's got to eventually get to a point where it all stops. But in the meantime, you know, bring it on. Bring on another 1,000 people. You can bring in a 1,000 a day if they want to.
5: Well, as you say, Mike, the real concern here is that we're spending, what, over £6 million a day on hotels. It's projected... Projected this will go to thirty two million pounds a day by the end of 2026, as you've been pointing out, if we do not get control of this very serious problem. That means more housing being taken up, more hotels going, people losing their jobs in the hospitality and retail sector, school places being taken up, and NHS is already overwhelmed, further overwhelmed, and put pressure onto it. This is why we need to make sure that we tackle this issue. And anyone who's trying to get in our way simply doesn't understand they're more interested in getting likes on Twitter and trying to get a retweet Mm. from Gary Lineker or Gary Neville, rather than standing up for what the British people want, which is fairness in the system. And that means you don't come to this country illegally.
3: And also, whatever happens to the human rights of British people who are not here illegally, who are paying taxes, uh, who are subsidising these bozos, uh, government money going to some of these charitable organisations as well, you know, it's going to stop, surely. Somebody's going to have to stand up in Parliament and say enough is enough and actually stop giving out money to all these people.
5: Well, I'm also worried about public safety, Mike, because as you and I have both said many a time before, we don't know who these people are. Documentation is getting thrown overboard as soon as they get into English waters. Yeah. Border Force themselves told me that when they get into English waters, they're making phone calls to 999 from the dinghies in order to make sure that they get picked up mm. and to get there quicker. You know, and ultimately, people are claiming that they're children. We know smugglers actively tell adults who may look a bit younger to claim they're a child. We don't know have any proof of that. We're not using any of the laws under the National and Borders Act to actually test bone density, for example, to check people legitimately are the age that they claim to be. So there's a real public safety element. And when we see on the front page of national newspapers that potentially ISIS is looking at committing tre- yeah. terrorist atrocities, they're going to be sending people via these small boats routes in order to undo untold harm to the British public. People like Stoke-on-Trent-North, Kids Greven talk who time and time again have shouldered the burden for this country when they were part of the voluntary asylum dispersal scheme have had enough, and so have I.
3: Yeah, I think so many people in this country have had enough. You've heard, if you've been listening to this show this morning, people, uh, phone call after phone call, people are sick to death of it and they want something done about it because people are now being affected by it on a daily basis. Every town and city practically in this country now has a hotel, at least one, being occupied by migrants. You know, places like Bournemouth uh, are, are, are seeing sites that they've never seen before. You know, but sheer numbers are changing Britain and it can't go on.
5: Well, look, as I said, that's that public safety point, that terrible story of that young girl being raped yeah. by someone who just come into this country not long ago. This is what I'm on about. This is why we need to do all we can to bring safety. As you say, make sure that communities are well looked after. Also, that damage isn't done to the hospitality, retail and tourism industry. in yeah. Stoke-on. One of our hotels is directly opposite the railway station. That's a gateway to 6 million visitors mm. a year. Imagine what that looks like. That's right next to a levelling up project that I with Jack Barritt and Joe Gideon secured millions of pounds to redevelop an old industrial site to bring new hotels, new office space and new homes. But that's all going to be undermined by what's going on with these hotels. One of the other hotels in Stoke-on-Trent is where people were literally going to the gym to mm. get fit in one of the areas of the country, which sadly has higher than average obesity rates. Mm. It's where people were going to learn to swim. It's where people had weddings booked. That's all been cancelled at the last minute because we're having to have these hotels taken up. I'm sick to the back teeth. And of the lovey-doveys on Twitter who think this is a win, who I'm sure will clip this mic and call us all names under the sun, yeah. they need to get out of their little virtue-signalling box and go and visit people in the real world and understand what on earth is going on to this country, which is people are willing to be fair, they're willing to be kind, but they also expect fairness. And that means making sure that you do things by the right way, not coming illegally and taking advantage of our hospitality.
3: Well, the lefty loveys are best summed up by Glastonbury, aren't they, where they're all chanting and singing... Uh, say it loud, say it clear, refugees are welcome here. Meanwhile, behind them, there's a bloody great fence which stops anybody coming in who doesn't have a ticket and hasn't paid 340 quid for the privilege. Uh, it's the irony it seems to escape them.
5: Yeah, as you say, Mike, refugees are welcome to Glastonbury as long as they have £340. They can come in and they're able to sip on the champagne and, you know, virtually signal every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the, the images of those wars... Cracked me up, and the irony was not lost, I think, on anyone. Mm. If Grassebury is, as you say, such an open event, if it is tackling what they see as inequality, then surely anyone and everyone could be able to turn up to where they hold it, and we can all go and pop in and pop out as and when we please. Uh, if not, then what are they doing?
3: Yeah, and if not, why can they not support a decent and honest? government trying to do the right thing for decent and honest people in this country who want to be able to walk down the street at night safely who want to be able to book a hotel for their 65th party without being told sorry it's block booked for the next three years who want to be able to get a house in the town in which they grew up uh, not one that's been given away to somebody who's arrived here with four or five kids from afghanistan
5: Well, this is exactly the point, isn't it? The pressures that have been put on public services, the cost to local authorities, when councils are already feeling the pinch, the social housing that's being lost when there's many people on the waiting list looking to move, the uh, impact on school places in particular, like places in Stoke. Stoke council taxpayers are having to bust some kids, I think, as far as Birmingham, from the last day I had from Stoke on trent City Council, each and every day. That's a whopping cost to the local taxpayer as well as, obviously, the further strain on local GP and and mental health and uh, physical health services within the NHS. It's not right. It's not fair. And like you say, Mike, and you're very sound listeners, it's time for this nonsense to end. And I'm just deeply disappointed the Court of Appeal didn't quite understand with two of those three judges that this is the will of Parliament. This is the will of the British people. The polling is all out there to prove it. The Rwanda deal is a world-leading deal. As you say, Rwanda is where many refugees are already hosted. The, they have no returns agreements with some of the awful countries that do commit atrocities against its people. So, where on earth are they getting this idea that Rwanda's not yeah. a safe third country? Yeah. I don't know.
3: he would probably be talking to Jillian Moron. Uh, who knows? Uh, Jonathan, thanks very much indeed. Jonathan Gullis there, a Conservative MP for Stoke on Trent North. Once again, Rishi Sunak has issued this statement about the Rwanda decision. He says, while I respect the court, I fundamentally disagree with their conclusions. I strongly believe the Rwandan government have provided the assurances necessary to ensure that there is no real risk that asylum seekers relocated under the Rwanda policy would be wrongly returned to third country, something that the Lord Chief Justice agrees with. Rwanda is a safe country, the High Court agreed. The UNH have their own refugee scheme for libyan refugees in rwanda we will now seek permission to appeal this decision to the supreme court the policy of this government is very simple it is this country and your government who should decide who comes here not criminal gangs and i will do whatever is necessary to make that happen well you better do it rishi it sounds like he was listening to our show this morning because that could have been dictated by me but you need to make it happen You need to get through uh, the red tape. You need to sweep away uh, the ludicrous decision that's been made today. Get the Supreme Court uh, to rubber stamp it. And on you go. Get those flights to Rwanda up and running. The UNHCR thinks it's OK to go there. Why don't we?